Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you as always for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 297. We're talking growing into new markets with Eric Davies of Puff Truck Pizza out in Elburn, Illinois. This is Best Served New Volume 3, Episode 6 of 8. It's been quite a journey. I'm excited about this. We're, we're talking growing into new markets. This is a fascinating topic. I've, I've talked about this a lot with location one to location two, even within your own market. The big vulnerability is you have a lot of success with location one, with unit one, and you want to roll that into unit two. And there's huge vulnerabilities. And you see it a lot where unit two then kind of siphons a lot of the a lot of capital, a lot of attention away from unit one. And we typically have seen this a lot where one location that's successful breeds a second location and both end up crumbling. And so it's an interesting dynamic. Going into a second market can be even a bigger challenge. So I'm fascinated in this dynamic here. So I want to bring in Eric, kind of check in with him. Eric, how's it going? Very good, Jensen. How are you? I'm doing great. I am excited about this episode because from the onset, when you and I first started talking, it was something that was top of mind for you. You know, thinking about growing your brand into kind of national or multi-market, whatever that means uh, for you in a, in a growth trajectory. And that can seem like uh, a pipe dream for sure. It can seem like, okay, great. Like, how would you actually do that? How do you go about that? And we're getting closer and closer to kind of feeling like that's a reality. And then exciting, you just uh, let me know that maybe not expanding in new markets, but expanding. So so drop some nuggets on us. What's been going yeah. on with you recently? So uh, we're super excited to announce um, our newest mobile unit. Um, it was going to be uh, Puff Truck Pizza number two mobile unit, but we're excited to announce Burger Buzz, which is going to be our new uh, kind of B-based <laughs> themed uh burger truck uh trailer that we get to um pull around to the chicagoland area here and serve um great burgers to people um burgers have always been kind of our second best selling item here at uh our restaurant so i knew that what we had was a really great product we already had a bunch of recipes developed that i knew were really great and folks are responding well to here so i, I kind of we already had that foundation of, of the food part um ready to go so to me um ready to take our great burgers out uh mobile oh, I, I love it man i i like this a lot because when you have the one unit and you're kind of cultivating the community and we've talked about elburn illinois a lot we've talked mm -hmm. about ray right who is the biggest fan of that burger and introduces co-workers to that burger is really a champion and an advocate for that burger it's fundamentally important for a brand we also recognize that as you grow you got to really niche down and focus and if you're not known for one thing you'll be known for nothing Right. And so mm -hmm. one of the things, you know, we, we touched on is like the burger's good for that community because you're kind of trying to service uh, multiple days a week with multiple different opportunities for them to engage. As you grow, that's a potentially a vulnerability. You don't necessarily want to be doing pizza, burgers, tacos that may be like nice features 
for the one location. So I really like this because it allows you to focus within each unit on its core concept. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. And with that, kind of growing into new markets, I uh, want to bring in Rachel Angelo with uh, La Cosinita. How's it going, Rachel? Good. How are you? Uh, we're doing great. I'm really excited about this because you are you're living the dream. Sometimes I'm sure it feels like a nightmare, but living the dream of being multi-unit operator in multiple markets with La Cosinita. So can you break it down for us a little bit, just uh, a little bit of the trajectory, the path, kind of lay it out for us, right? You're in uh, New Orleans, Chicago, Evanston, Illinois specifically, and uh, give us an idea of how, how that came about. Sure. Yeah. So um, my my husband and I started our first location in New Orleans, um, and that was our, our first truck. Um, that was back in 2011. So we're, we're coming up on our, our 10th anniversary uh, up in November. That's a lifetime in the restaurant industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, when, uh, when we, I believe it was, there was one point when um, we talked to the bank about a loan and they told us that, um, uh, that it was 10 years uh, that, that was the time frame where they would consider us established. And I think at that point we'd been open for two or three years and we were like 10. Um, and it just sounded impossibly far away. So it's kind of crazy that we're, uh, we're there now. So I mean, um, congratulations, first of all, that is anybody like all of us who've owned restaurants. Uh, it is one year <laughs> is, is a lifetime achievement award. If you own a restaurant for one year with, uh, with how hard even that is. So I, I appreciate that. So New Orleans, is that, uh, do you have deep roots there? Is that kind of where your family is? Cause I'm interested Every in match. that. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm interested so in that. I wanted you to lay that down because one of the things I want to talk about is it's it's interesting going in a new market. And we've talked about this with Eric that he had to really like sometimes slow down a little bit and recognize that Elburn, Illinois was not Chicago specifically mm -hmm. and like how he cultivated community there. And so you really build those deep roots there. And then going into a new market, you can feel like an outsider, both internally for yourself and within that community saying, no, we, we want to support this or that. So I'm interested in that dynamic for you. Have, do you feel like New Orleans is such a big city? Sometimes it can feel like there aren't roots there because it's so massive, so tourist driven. Give us an idea of what it feels like to kind of be embedded in a part of that community in New Orleans. Yeah, you know, so New Orleans, um, we actually, we met working at Commander's Palace. Um, Under Tory McPhail? Yeah. Oh, Tori's a good friend. Great. Yeah, great. great. I love That's it. Great. Um, yeah. And so, um, so we did, we did have a lot of connections in the industry. Um, and, you know, we had a good sense of, um, yeah, tourist traffic and, you know, what the locals are interested in. Um, back then, you know, the food truck scene was very limited. Um, sure. we, we were one of the first, like, you know, kind of modern food trucks on the scene there. Um, and, uh, and, so we, and actually, my husband and I founded the uh, the New Orleans Food Truck Coalition um, back in, in 20, uh, 2012. Um, and so uh, we did that because the uh, the food truck laws back then um, in New Orleans were very outdated. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and so they actually, um, the the mobile, uh, it, it wasn't even food truck laws. It was, it was uh, you know, mobile vendors. So everything from, you know, seafood vendors and produce vendors right. to, um, you know, the Roman candy cart that's been around, you know, forever. Um, and uh, yeah, just any, anything that wasn't a restaurant essentially was lumped under this, uh, this same permit. And so there were a lot of issues um, 
with the uh, with the laws, which hadn't been updated since 1956. And so we spent um, we spent about a year and a half uh, working really closely with the mayor's office and, uh, and and the city council. And after that year and a half, um, we we came up with um, we were able to pass new uh, new legislation, which is really exciting. So essentially it went from uh, a 600 foot um, uh, proximity, uh, you know, banned from, uh, you know, from restaurants to that being eliminated entirely. Um, we used to only be able to park for 45 minutes at a time. Uh, wow. We increased that to four hours. Um, there was, uh, there's like, there's a banned area uh, in the the central business district and um, in the French Quarter, which we were able to open up like a band of that um, uh, where like the hospitals and city hall like um, are. Uh, like you had a strip of area that was now designated uh, able to have food trucks. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Right. And so the French Quarter and, and much of the CBD are still off limits. But um, but we did right. open up that that strip that includes like, you know, uh, the medical, the, the biomedical district and um, which I'm sure still has massive amounts of foot traffic. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's not a ton of. Um, it, yeah, it, it, it's a, it's an area of the CBD that's growing quite a bit. It's good um, for business, so, at least. Yeah. The hotels are pushing out sure. that way. Um, and then, yeah, there's, of course, a lot of um, uh, traffic with just all the all the med students and the, um, you know, people visiting people in the hospital, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. um, Rachel, this is really interesting. I want to I want to uh, contextualize this a little bit, because one of the things Eric and I have talked about is he is really thinking about going into new markets that maybe don't have the food truck scene that maybe like he could help kind of spark that a little bit and. You know, we've talked about even getting a place where he can kind of have a commissary and storefront, which he does now, food truck attached to that. So he can kind of own the uh, uh, means of production a little bit, big mm -hmm. parking lot where he could host other food trucks, maybe the weekend farmer's market, that kind of mentality of building sure. community. And so, Eric, I think this is interesting for you because if you're going into a new market like this, I think you're going to run into uh, legality issues with some of the yeah. regulations and statutes in that. So this makes a lot of sense. I think let's offboard that because there's a lot to do, but it makes a lot of sense to maybe look at what uh, Rachel and the coalition have accomplished and try and siphon some of that superpower because it, it makes some sense. So I appreciate that. That's a long conversation. I yeah. want to get into, has the coalition done anything to galvanize and do events, things like that? Have you gone on the, the, uh, the public facing side with the coalition as well? Yeah, so we used to do a lot of that. Um, I, I, I served as president uh, for I think the first two years of the, right. the coalition's existence. Um, I think it was 2012 and 2013. Um, and since then uh, we've had new leadership. Um, the We used to do a lot of like, yeah, you know, food truck events, um, uh, some of which were to, um, you know, to raise awareness, um, uh, you know, for like to, to, to garner like public support for sure. the uh, the legislative, um, you know, changes that, that we were trying to make. Um, you know, and just to demonstrate for, um, you know, for those in, in leadership that um, that it's something that was really popular and people were interested in it. It was, um, you know, something that built community and, um, you know, just tons of, uh, of positive aspects of, uh, you know, of food trucks and what, what they really can do for the community. But um, uh, but so we, we used to do a lot of that. Um, now it, it's just sort of um, 
there's a website that that kind of like diverts traffic to uh, to all the members of the coalition, um, you know, people who are looking right. for catering events and and food truck, uh, you know, food truck rentals, that kind of thing. Um, so, scheduling availability, just like yeah, her, you know, so yeah, yeah really, like most of what it is now is like, um, you know, they they just kind of uh, direct people to um, you know to the the trucks that. Uh, that are part of the coalition, um, you know, yeah, so that's valuable, like a directory that people can kind of see who's out yeah. there, what they're doing, maybe get on their sites, look at their schedules, see where they're at, that kind of thing. So yeah, we built out a website yeah. that shows, yeah, everyone could submit like their menus and photos of the truck and the food and, and all that. So it's, it's just a nice like resource for people who are, uh, you know, who don't know much about, about the food truck scene and, and just want to kind of, yeah, gauge like, you know, okay, so I, I want a, a food truck to cater an event especially, you know, nowadays, like during COVID, um, you know, that it's such a safe route of, uh, of you know, of catering yeah. gatherings. So, um, you know, so that way they can, they can go on to the website, they can take a look at, um, okay, so here's some different local options and, um, and just get a sense of like what they do, how to get in touch, all that. Got it. Eric, all right. So you got to get on top of regulation, directory and events and launch your brand yeah. in new market. Not, no big deal. Not like you have too much on your plate right now. So, uh, but I think it's a good way to go about it especially like if you start cultivating that for that community, you're going to put yourself out there and show that your intent is about galvanizing and bringing people together at the, at the onset versus just going in and trying to sell your stuff over somebody else's stuff. I think that's a very thoughtful way to go about it. So, all right, Rachel, yes. New Orleans to Chicago. How the hell does that happen? Break it down for us a little bit. Yeah. So um, we, we got married in 2014 um, and at that point, um, decided to uh, move up to Chicago. Now, I'm from uh, I'm from well, I'm from Wilmette um, uh, in the suburbs of Chicago, and uh, my husband is from Venezuela. So we knew that we wanted to live near family, and um, and I knew that <laughs> I did not want to uh, you know be, be leaving the country. So um, his family at the time was uh, was still back in Venezuela. So it, it was a pretty easy choice to to head back up north. Um, and uh, my um, my stepdaughter at the time was uh, like eight years old, I, I believe. And um, when she would come and stay with us for you know summers, winter break, spring break, that kind of thing, um, it was really challenging to to operate the truck um, and you know entertain her and, and yeah, take care sure. of her. And, like that. and so you know we knew that as we got closer to starting a family, it was going to be really challenging to do that without family nearby. So um, so that explained the the move up north. We we debated about the idea of, um, you know, bringing that truck up to Chicago. That was my um, first instinct, right? Probably. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, um, or selling it, you know, selling the business, selling the truck, like, yeah. you know, something along those lines. Um, but yeah, when it came down to it, um, you know, we, we had really established a nice following in New Orleans. Um, and, uh, and so when we were able to find a way to, to uh, uh, allow it to continue, um, we decided to take a chance and and go that route. So right, let's hover on that for a moment, because this is another thing that we talked about uh, with Eric and also Eric, another family business where you're trying to make decisions. Eric has a yeah. has a young son as well. And that comes up a lot as like he's trying to build a legacy, trying to build, a, you know, sustainable lifestyle for him, his family. And that's a huge challenge. But we also talked about a lot about people, right? Investing in your most valuable asset people is something we talk about a lot. And so I'm guessing you had somebody who just had the self-starter motivated. Somebody who understood the brand, somebody you had trust and confidence in. Uh, who is that? How did, how were you able 
to move something that needs all of your attention and move across the country, basically, to be able to keep that La Cosa Nita brand in New Orleans? Sure. You know, so it's, we talked about the possibility of looking to hire someone and decided that, you know, bringing someone on, you know, yeah, like from scratch just seemed too uh, daunting. And also like, it would be hard to trust somebody to really run business properly. Um, And we, at the time, you know, we had, uh, we had a part-time employee who, um, who was about to graduate from college with a business degree. (laughs) And, um, and it was, it was his side gig uh, during college. But as he, you know, got closer to graduation, um, you know, we started talking to him about our intentions in terms of, you know, moving up to Chicago. And, um, and my husband made a joke about, um, uh, Hey, uh, you know, is your, is your dream, (laughs) is your dream job after, uh, after, you know, your, your business degree from Tulane, um, to operate a food truck. Obviously the answer was instantly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and, and it turned out to be something that he was, he was really interested in, uh, in doing. And so, um, you know, he just, he's a really, uh, hardworking, dedicated, you know, loyal, trustworthy guy who just really like understood the way that the business needed to, to run. And, um, and, and it was, um, it was a big undertaking for him. Um, you know, it was a big undertaking for us, like, you know, the two of us oh, yeah. uh, to do it. And so, you know, all of it being on his shoulders, um, you know, we, we would come back in town to, to visit and check on things and, you know, help support him in different mm-hmm. ways but um uh but yeah it, it was a big uh a big you know undertaking for him and um and he did a fantastic job and um and so at, you know at the time uh we didn't have like the uh the brick and mortar base and so he was you know he was operating out of a commerce a commissary kitchen and um and running the food truck and um you know in different spots and and all that so um so that that worked it could not have worked out better uh, for us in That's terms okay. of like, can we can we acknowledge and, and yeah. drop his name and give a shout out here if, joe if Sturtz. Like. what is it joe joe Sturtz. joe Sturtz. all right yeah. i we talk a lot about uh unsung hospitality heroes it's like who we started he's, this show for acknowledging yeah, you know, so yeah basically like you know so it. he he was managing everything we also had um you know uh our our kitchen manager sandra you know who we were able to trust to just continue to cook everything the way that it's supposed to be. You know, like she just has that, uh, that intuition, you know? And, um, uh, so yeah, like, you know, we weren't on site to taste everything and make sure that everything was, um, you know, was the way it's supposed to be. But, um, but we knew and trusted that, you know, everything that she was making was, you know, um, on brand and uh, delicious and and perfect. So yeah, between you know Sandra and Joe are just kind of our our, our dream team. Uh, Eric, you got to find Sandra and Joe. Yeah, you have got to find your Sandra and your Joe. It is foundational. We look as chefs as restaurant operators. We suck at delegating. We say we do. We suck at it. We suck. We suck at it. We just are so hands-on we need to touch everything we need to taste everything strength and vulnerability absolutely you have to truly not just give them a title truly put your faith in them which is fucking scary as hell when your livelihood and your kids livelihood is on it yet it's the only chance that you have 
Otherwise, you will be a servant to your business forever. And working in the business versus on the business as you grow is going to be so important. So I really appreciate you saying that. Joe, Sandra, big shout out to you. Uh, I'm big fans of you and I've never met you. And that's what this is all about. That's what this show is all about. So appreciate that. All right, Rachel, bring us to Chicago now. You decide what? to. to So we opened a food truck in, in Chicago. Um, and right away, like what was that process like for you? Yeah, uh, we, I mean, we bought a truck while we were still in New Orleans. Okay, um, we drove it out to <laughs> Chicago. Yeah, I mean, we, um, yeah, we had it built out in Ohio. It was, um, it was ready. We moved in June, it was ready in uh, the first week of July. So, um, yeah, we kind of, which to us, like the timeline felt delayed because we wanted to open, you know, like the week after we arrived, but, um, uh, but yeah, so we, uh, yeah, we we just kind of hit the ground running with, um, yeah, sending the truck out for lunches downtown, trying to you know find different uh, opportunities for festivals and events, and um, and you know putting ourselves out there, you know, in terms of catering. We already had our um, our catering menu built out, you know, from New Orleans, and so it was easy to just adapt that to uh, what we we're doing in Chicago. Um, I mean, you know, it's still the case that our our two catering menus. Very, I think it's sales tax. Uh, you know, the the rates are set slightly different, um, and and then just uh, you know a couple of yeah minor tweaks. Uh, you know, our our seafood option in Chicago is fish, in in New Orleans it's shrimp. Um, and that's okay. but that's even that little entire. bit of nuance probably does matter a little bit, right? You have some lake fish here, and you have some shrimp down. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just what tended to be yeah popular and easily accessible and local and yeah so so uh one thing on that eric i think super super important is we want to stay very true to who we are as we expand and not lose track of who you are and all of a sudden you're going to nashville and now you're trying to do hot chicken and barbecue and this and that and trying to like chase what's authentic to them stay authentic to you but there's those little micro nuances where you can stay on brand as rachel mentioned which just that little the, the shrimp and the fish i love that it's just this little micro tweak that can make all the difference. One, because of the product itself, but two, because of your ability to be thoughtful and understand the market, just that little bit of nuance. So I really appreciate that. Rachel, I wanted to understand timeline. Uh, when did you move back to Chicago? Uh, June 2014. Okay. So you've been re- operating two for co- seven time. years, coming <laughs> up on seven years this summer. Yeah. Wow. Why do you still do it? <laughs> it's uh I, I mean part of it is it's our you know it's our passion project right like um it's something that my husband and i built from the ground up um something we're really proud of uh you know we've uh a lot of times we really enjoy it um <laughs> not, not all, the, all time. the time that's you know there, there are a true. lot of headaches involved you know everything from you know the equipment the, you know malfunction to deal with okay the generator died um you know we need a new generator and let's figure out how to you know hook up to power for tonight's catering event in the meantime um you know to like you know and then and then replace it to the tune of five grand or whatever you know um to uh you know there's a hurricane coming in new orleans and what are you know what are we going to do? I, I can see um, Eric's reaction is like, I, yep, I've done that. Yes, I've done that. Yes, I feel you I, on that. I have a spare 
I have a spare generator just for that reason. <laughs> yeah, we yes. So we in Chicago we have the storage to have a spare, um, but we don't in New Orleans. So, um, but yeah, I mean, but but that like you know, so there obviously there are challenges involved with um, not being able to be on site. You know, at least for one location at any given time. Um, right now, I mean, you can see I'm in a hotel room uh, or. Uh, I assume it's obvious, um, but uh, you know, so right now we're traveling, we're not in either location, but like both teams are equipped to handle us not being there, they're used to it. Um, and so, um, you know, while there are a lot of logistical challenges involved in, um, in not being on site, we also have the, you know, the benefit of, um, you know, uh, complementary seasonality, right? So oh, yeah. the slow season in Chicago is when we're, you know, slammed with Mardi Gras, most years, um, in New Orleans, uh, and, you know, and in New Orleans, uh, the, you know, the slow season is summer where it's just unbearably hot. And we often bring our truck up from New Orleans to Chicago so that we can, you know, just crank out double the catering. Right. Whoa, a couple things. This is good. (laughs) Oh, I like this a lot. So you're even looking at the ability then to put two trucks in Chicago do you go take two trucks down to New Orleans as well, or just bring one up? We have before, so we've we've brought both trucks to uh, to New Orleans for Mardi Gras, um, and sense. it's it, it's a ten day stretch where you know it's it's the best like yeah you know, it's the best week of the year in New Orleans. The problem is, um, whereas in Chicago you've got like a whole three to four month stretch where we're just you know slammed because it's it's the one opportunity that people have to you know uh, be outside cater events outside have yeah, you know, it's Cubs and White Sox season <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean um, everything happens during those few months and so every weekend you know we're we're just jam packed um, whereas in New Orleans uh, there's always stuff going on um, but but Mardi Gras like you know that um, that stretch is, is so much shorter. And so, so we've only done that once where we brought the, uh, the Chicago truck to New Orleans. Understood. One, one other thing. And then Erica, see if there's any last question that, that you'd like to get from Rachel. I definitely going to connect the two of you because I think there's, there's some, uh, some interesting parallels and you guys need to connect in Chicago when you're back in Chicago, Rachel. Huh. And the fact that you're not in Chicago or New Orleans working is so, it makes me so happy because one of the finite, goals that I have for operators always is, can you take a two week vacation and not worry about your businesses, not be on your phone the whole time, not be worrying about everything? Have you truly set your business and your people up for success so that you can take a two week vacation? And it's just, you know, it's a small thing, but it means you're on the right path. So I really appreciate that you're that you're traveling right now. That's very exciting to me because that's that's the goal for Eric. That should be the goal for everybody is to put yourself in that position and not feel like you're leaving your team in the lurch because we've all felt like that. You know, like I have to take this vacation and I'm gonna force myself to, yet I'm leaving my business, my people, my mental health in a bad spot. So I, I really appreciate that. So thank you for being on vacation right now, Rachel. This couldn't be better timing. Uh, Eric, as we wrap, any last questions uh, that you have for Rachel? I'd love to know if uh, there's anything else we could uh, get um, from her while we have her on. I don't know. I guess maybe it's, it's a little bit more of a technical question for me. So, like, how did yeah. you guys find the budget to employ somebody full-time to do that stuff? Is that, like, was it borrowed money? Was it cash flow from the operations? Or? Um, so, let's see. We um, think back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the okay. So the 
second truck was funded by the first truck. Um, then our first restaurant space, um, we, uh, we, we borrowed money. Our second restaurant space was paid for by the first restaurant space. Okay, good. So yeah. you, you were able to there was not less run into what I mentioned at the onset where location two or location three siphon from the, the flagship location. And then you, you end up upside down and all both or all three locations. So that's good. I love hearing that. I think uh, Eric too is maybe thinking like, Joe, how were you able to yeah. make the transition and get Joe in a position with not a lot of capital potentially? Like, how are you able to put him in a position? Was it sweat equity? How did you get yourself there? Um, yeah, I mean, with Joe, uh, we gave him um, we gave him a salary as well as um, a ten percent cut, um, okay. which we felt it was a ten uh, percent of the profits. Um, we felt like that and that motivated him to watch the bottom line um, because he had, you know, he, he was he had a vested interest in um, in making sure that uh, that not only like, you know did we perform well, well as far as revenue, but also, um, you know, that he was watching, uh, the expenditures and whatnot. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I think, um, we also, we cut our salaries significant so that we were just taking a very marginal, like, you know, I think it was 200 bucks a week or something, um, you know, for, uh, for us so that most of what we were paying ourselves was then going to Joe instead. Um, and then, the location that we were at in, you know, actually involved with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis in Chicago, that's where we were taking the majority of our salary at that point. That's why the timeline was important for you because you mentioned it felt delayed, even though you hit town, you barely unpacked your bags and then you were ready to go with the new truck sure. is because you needed to start generating cash flow out of the second location, the second truck to right. be able to offset your lost income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So timing, Eric, I think is going to be crucial in that yeah. process. You're going to have to take a haircut, I think, no matter what, and risk that no matter what. I like that, you know, the the 10% uh, of the net, I think, is a good way to go about it. It's not necessarily they have skin in the game. They do have that vested interest, even though they may not have the stake in the business. You can look at that being long term. I do think you have to give somebody that additional incentive to be able to have them really run the business and feel like it's their business because they're driving themselves, their productivity towards something. So I appreciate that. Uh, this is great. Rachel, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, you're like <laughs> so many overlapping storylines between where Eric's at and where he's looking to go and a lot of that. So this could not have been a, a better conversation. And Rachel, Grateful to you, the work that you're doing, and uh, we're going to follow up the coalition. I think there's some interesting things to learn there, and uh, I want that TikTok video, Eric, when you go and get uh, La Cosanita up in Chicago. Sounds Heck good. Yeah. Always happy to to share what we've learned along the way, and um, and hopefully that'll uh, yeah help help you on your journey. We got to help each other out. We Always. gotta gotta help each other out. The the small operator. That. So Rachel, appreciate you. You have a great day. Thanks for being Thank on. Thank you. You too. All right. Cheers. All right, Eric. That was great. Yeah. Really good stuff there. I mean, so many, so many intersections between where you're at, where you're looking to go hurdles that they've overcome, you know, even just the, you mentioned kind of a detailed question of like how they make that transition. Cause I know that's top of mind for you. Like, how do you, ugh, it's just like, I see it there yet. 
I can't give up the small amount of income that this thing does pay me because I know you would right. reinvest all of that. So feeling good. Feel like that was that was valuable, good information for you. Absolutely. Some follow up for sure with Rachel will be helpful for you as well. Yeah, will do. Yeah, it's good to see a kind of a trajectory there that, you know, kind of their timeline is, you know, not completely similar, but it's good to see that someone, you know, kind of rolling back to teach ads uh, episode last week, too, is kind yes. of like to see those trajectory of these successful folks is really empowering and, and helping us with our confidence. I'm, I'm digging it. Good. I love that. And I know, I just know T-Chad and Rachel will be a part of your story ongoing. And that shit matters to me. That's why I'm so motivated to, to have you on here because, you know, they will be a part of your journey at in some level, a check in every once in a while, the TikTok video of you being like all of those things, they're meaningful and, and people need to feel that connection. It's why we, it's why we do what we do. We're cultivating a Absolutely. sense of belonging. And sometimes it's just when you're an entrepreneur, it is lonely, man. It is lonely. You're on an island. And so just a couple of other people that have been on that same island with no raft and figured it out, like that, it matters. So, all right, Eric, let's sure. go get back to it. Go uh, keep working on some Burger Buzz burgers. I'm excited about that as well. I mean, uh, maybe you need to drive one of the trucks to Chicago to La Cosa Nita and do like a go. collaboration while you're there. Oh man, now, now, yeah. my, now my creative like wheels are spinning. Let's uh, <laughs> Let's make that happen, Eric. For sure. Let's make that happen. All right. You have a good one, my friend. Take care. Thank you, Chef. Cheers. All right, everybody. Amazing episode. Absolutely. Uh, so grateful to Rachel and uh, getting on with us, especially on vacation. Like, how amazing was that? That she felt the uh, the need to uh, and the motivation to support Eric in this time. So, once again, Besser Podcast 297, growing into new markets. There's so much that goes into that. And the fact that Eric now has an understanding of just a couple little uh, inspirations and ideas, information is so valuable. So next week and the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking marketing. We're going to be talking about getting that message out there, what it's going to take to grow. Marketing for carry out right now is so fundamentally important for every brand and food trucks ability to kind of navigate going closer to where people are, I think is super valuable. So that's it for this episode. Appreciate all of you for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.